Baby Steps is one of my absolute favorite organizations that we get the opportunity to work with. And it's amazing just to witness on that short video the power of your generosity impacting lives in our community. And I know that during COVID-19, we've had more people than ever before ask about service opportunities and ask about how they can get involved in the community. And let me just say this, all you have to do is ask. God is doing so much much through the Auburn community and God is using us to be a part of that. We're going to go into our bringing time like we do every week. This is a time that we worship God through the giving of tithes and offerings. And I hope that that video just helps you clarify for a moment why it matters that we are generous toward the local church that we're a part of. So if you're watching this video and maybe you're a part of another church, we want to encourage you to be faithful to support the church that you call home. But if ACC is your home church, once again, we want to invite you into a time of worship by bringing back to God what God has entrusted to you. The ways to give are on the screen right now. You can give on Venmo. You can give online. You can send checks to 323 Airport Road, Sweet O. And we are blown away by all the ways we get to be generous to people around us because of your generosity toward this local body of believers. And more than we're blown away by your generosity, I'm blown away by the way you have chosen to follow Jesus. This season, this year has been unlike any other year or season. And I've watched how our church in the face of adversity, in the face of difficulty, in the face of division, and in the face of a lot of things that are very difficult to navigate. I'm actually, as your leader, inspired by the way you are living your life, the way you are raising your voice, and the way you are listening with a gentle, humble spirit for God to reveal to you what he's called you to do moving forward. I am legitimately inspired by every single one of you. I love you. I miss you. We have a small little crowd in the audience at 323 Airport Road for the very first time uh, behind this camera. And so I'm just excited to be preaching to people once again, but I'm even more excited that right now on our calendar, we're getting every single day closer to July 26th when we will be back together at 323 Airport Road. And that's the date that we have penciled in for a return here, but that's not the next time we're going to be together. The next time we are all going to be together will be for worship night on June 28th as we lift up the name of Jesus once again on our land at Hamilton Road. Mark it down on your calendar. It's going to be from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And we want to see God do something so special with that time. And we know that many of you have been feasting with fellowship. You've been gathering in your local community. It's not too late to find people to gather with. And we want that to continue to happen throughout the month of June because we believe God is moving as the people of God are coming together to love and support one another. I cannot wait to see what God does through this message because I'm already sitting over there in tears as Matt Cole is leading us through. And that's an ACC song, by the way, that our team put together, The Father's Heart. And that so many of you, as you heard those words being sung, and as you maybe sat there during that song, you can feel the love of the Father reminding you that your position before God is not dependent on how you've behaved or how much you've performed this week. Your position before God is set in stone by the blood of Jesus. That's a great place to be. That's a restful place to be. And that's why 
through this season, we've been looking at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. If you have your Bible, hold it up, hold it up from right where you are. Once again, we are going to be going right back to Matthew chapter 11. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28? I believe God has more that he wants to say through this passage. And I believe that as many of us are rediscovering what it means to find rest for our souls in Jesus, we're slowly noticing how many things we've been taking responsibility for that actually God wants to take full responsibility for in our lives. And there's this glorious rest that comes over us when we decide to live in a position called surrender. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, if you're there, say I'm there. Here we go, church. Should have it memorized by now. Come to me. You're like, why are you reading it if we should have it memorized? Because I do have it memorized, but every time I go to do it, based on my own confidence and my own memorization, I start to panic a little bit and go, you're going to stumble over a word. You're going to say it wrong. Or you're going to say it in the ESV instead of the NIV. And so I'm going to read it, but I do have it memorized. Here it is. Come to me. This is Jesus talking. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's been amazing the past month to see how these individual phrases from this invitation of Jesus can speak to our lives so deeply. Last Sunday was a sermon that I will never forget, simply focusing on the first three words of this passage, come to me. That the condition of your soul, the condition of my soul to today is directly related to whether or not I have said yes to the invitation of Jesus to come to him. So I hope you see the simplicity of Christianity and I hope you see that it is purely relational, that everything about living the Christian life happens on the other side of coming to Jesus. And I love this. The invitation is open and the qualification for you being invited is a negative. This was beautiful. Come to me, all you who have your lives figured out because I'm God. No. Come to me, all of you who have followed the Ten Commandments your entire life. No. All of us would say, I don't think so. That's not ever going to happen. I love that Jesus' qualification has to do with a weary soul and a burdened spirit. Come to me if you're beaten down by religion. Come to me if you're exhausted. Come to me if on the inside you feel like you want to give up. You have the exact qualifications for what I'm looking for. Come to me. And we focused in on those three words, but here's what I want to do. I want to focus in on the last four words of this passage. And the two are going to go hand in hand. The last four words of this passage say this. This is my title. You can write this down. My burden is light. My burden is light. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're next to somebody right now, can you just tap them on the shoulder, look at them and say, relax, relax. Just take a breath and relax. That is one of the most, if not the most relaxing statement Jesus ever offers. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus stands in a position as a Jewish rabbi 2,000 years ago. And when he makes that claim, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he is running completely contrary 
to many other Jewish rabbis of the time. What he's really saying is, my method of teaching, the thing that you need to take upon your shoulders is very easy in light, especially compared to what most people think of when they think of a Jewish rabbi. And Jesus is going, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you need to know that the requirements that are on your shoulders are light and the yoke is actually easy. That's good news. I was told recently by a chiropractor and a, a person who does professional massages, a masseuse. I can't believe I couldn't think of the name, but that's just how real we're being up here today. I was told by somebody that I carry so much tension, not just physically, but emotionally in my shoulders. Could you do this for me? Could you just collectively like roll your shoulders back and take a deep breath? Let's just do this. Let's see how good this feels. Ready? Man, there are so many days where I need that so bad. But here's what happens. And even my posture reflects this. I live my life feeling the pressure of the day. And that pressure starts to impose itself on me physically. And I'll literally find myself at my desk a little bit hunched over and feeling like the weight of the world is sitting on my shoulders. And I believe Spiritually speaking, for a lot of us, that deep breath and that roll back of your shoulders is what's going to happen to your soul and your spirit over the course of the next few minutes. The good news about the message of Jesus, the gospel is that Jesus does all of the heavy lifting. Like in, in the whole equation of what happens if you believe the good news about Jesus, Jesus takes on his shoulders the weight of condemnation for the world's sin and the penalty that God would justly pour out on sinful humanity. Jesus takes that on his shoulders, but not just the penalty on Calvary. He lives the perfect life that you and I could never live before that. So now God has a pure, righteous high priest who is standing in the gap for us as a sacrifice. On Jesus' shoulders is a perfect life, a sinner's death, the wrath of God for all of eternity and he holds it up to perfection on the cross and bridges the gap between us and God forever and ever. That's the gospel. That's the gospel we sang about earlier. That's the gospel we're gonna sing about next week. That's the gospel we're gonna sing about the following week. We will never stop reveling in the good news about what Jesus has done. He does the heavy lifting. Do you know what our role is in the gospel? This is amazing when you consider what Jesus' role is. Watch how restful this is. Our role is to trust him and believe him when he says he's finished it. Are you kidding me? Like, are you serious right now? That's how this works. Jesus puts on his shoulders the entire penalty and condemnation for our sin. He puts on his shoulders the life we couldn't live, even if we tried every single day for all of eternity. He puts on his shoulders sovereignty and control. He puts on his shoulders everything about our relationship with God. And he says, just trust me. Let me do the heavy lifting and believe me when I say it's finished and believe me when I say you're God's child and believe me when I say I love you. That's why Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, here's the problem. Most Christians, including the preacher who is holding the microphone on this stage, live their entire lives under extreme pressure. 
Not like a little bit of pressure, not like I had a stressful day, not like me and God are just not really connecting right now. Most people I talk to who have been following Jesus for a long time, and most days that I wake up in the morning, I feel the weight of an extreme amount of pressure. And I'm not just talking about a to-do list or things that I need to get done before the end of the week. I'm talking about a level of spiritual pressure where I feel a separation between the man God's called me to be and the man I've been behaving like lately and feeling like I've got to conjure up the energy and the effort to bridge the gap. And I've got to do this on behalf of my family. I've got to do this on behalf of our church. And I feel like there's a lot of you listening to me right now who you call yourself a Christian. You believe you are a child of God. And as you hear my voice right now, and I'm talking about Jesus doing all the heavy lifting, it's been forever since you've remembered that simple truth. I got bad news before I got good news today. The bad news is this. If you're carrying something that is weighing you down spiritually, if you're feeling like there's an overwhelming sense of pressure on your shoulder spiritually today, God is not expecting you to get stronger so that you now have the ability to carry it. God is waiting for the day that you and I discover once and for all that we're trying to carry something that not only we can't carry, we're not called to carry. If the weight of following Jesus, if the weight of the sin that surrounds us in this world, if the weight of coronavirus, if the weight of economic recession is feeling like a little bit too much for you today, it is too much for you. And that's not something that you need to learn how to overcome through more behavior modification. That's something that you need to learn how to surrender and find true rest and knowing God never called you to carry that. God called you to let Jesus be Jesus. And there's got to be a moment today, I believe, for churches around the country and churches around the world, but specifically for our church individually, I think a lot of us have felt weary and burdened because we have taken things that we have never been called to carry, put them on our shoulders, and we're feeling covered up and overwhelmed by a weight that's not our weight. I was reading this passage of scripture that uses the language of burden and yoke, but it's not Jesus talking. It's the apostle Paul. And as I was reading this one verse, many of you know it well, if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible, it's Galatians chapter five, verse one. I was reading it and I was like, there is no way when Paul wrote this exact language that he was not recalling on the invitation of Jesus where Jesus closed his statement saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, 2,000 years ago, the language of yoke wasn't just reserved for Jewish rabbis. It was also the language used for when two oxen would plow a field. And the yoke was put on the shoulders of two oxen. But what farmers would do is they would pair a strong ox with a weaker ox. And they would put them under the same yoke because they knew that the weaker ox would follow the rhythm of the stronger ox and they could get more work done if they were put together. That's exactly how it happens spiritually. But with Jesus, it's not just that he's stronger and you're weaker. It's that he's everything and you follow. And the restful rhythm that comes from letting him be the one who does the heavy lifting and letting us be the one who go, okay, I trust you. I'll follow you. You got this. That's what I believe Paul learned in the midst of a chaotic and crazy time that he lived. You think we're living in crazy times in 2020, and I don't mean to belittle the times that we're living in. It is pretty insane. 
But when you read about 2,000 years ago how the early church spread in the Greco-Roman world, you need to know today that the best work God does in and through the church is in times of massive uncertainty and massive difficulty and tragedy. The darkness does not become a disadvantage for the church. The darkness becomes an opportunity for the church to shine brighter than ever. And that's happening right now. But I want to show you what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Because I think it goes hand in hand with Matthew chapter 11. Check this out. It said this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I'm going to read it again. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The book of Galatians was written to a group of Christians who were falling into believing lies about what they needed to do from the Jewish law and what Jesus had completed on our behalf. And basically what they were trying to do was supplement the work of Jesus by adding on their own lifting to it. And Paul writes Galatians to go, no, no, you don't add on to what Jesus has done. You trust fully in what Jesus has done and you live life rooted in freedom in Christ. And this is the culminating statement. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why did Jesus set you free from sin and death and hell and the bondage to who you used to be and bring you into the kingdom of God? For freedom. He set you free so that you could live in the freedom you were called to live. And Paul's charge is stand firm then And don't become burdened again by a yoke of slavery that came from who you used to be. Why in the world would Paul have to command someone to work hard to stand firm and fight for the freedom that's rightfully yours in Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because bondage is addicting. Slavery is actually addicting, spiritually. It's addicting because it's familiar. And when it's all you know it becomes the place you run back to. If you ever read the story of the Israelites when they go into the promised land in Egypt, God does this miracle where he splits a sea and they cross over on dry ground. And anyone who has seen a movie out of Hollywood before would assume when something that amazing happens, it's a happy ending. You spend the rest of your life feasting and enjoying life because that is the ending of all endings. Your God is a God who splits seas and you walk through on dry ground, have a party and enjoy your life because your God is the only God and he's for you. Except that's not what happens. Literally in the next chapter, the people are turning on Moses and they say, did you, did you bring us out here because there wasn't enough graves in Egypt? We, we remember in Egypt how we had plenty of meat, plenty of food. Life was comfortable in Egypt. And now we're out here in the desert wandering around and following around miraculous signs and we don't even know what we're going to do next. Can you even imagine God's got you on a miraculous journey and you find yourself longing for the comfort of a life of oppression and slavery that he saved you from. But it's familiar. It's comfortable. It's comfortable just like that old relationship that God's been calling you to walk away from that you continue to run back to, especially during coronavirus because you've been so lonely. And you keep going back to it and all your friends are looking at you like, that relationship makes you the worst person. You guys should have broken up so long ago. You did break up that long ago. Why do you guys keep coming back together? Here's why you keep doing that. 
Because the comfort of that misery feels better than the uncertainty of what loneliness and singleness might look like moving forward. You would have to trust and you would have to let God write the story. And it actually feels more pleasant to feel the illusion of control even when what you're controlling is your own slavery. Paul says, no, no, no. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't let yourself get burdened again by the yoke of putting things on your shoulders that are supposed to belong to Jesus. I want to preach this into the life of our church today. The freedom that you are looking for is found in the rest of relinquishing everything you're holding on to with your own control and giving it to the one who you can trust. Jesus is freedom, but Jesus is unpredictable. You decide to follow Jesus, you're getting yourself into the greatest adventure you've ever known, but it's going to have some twists and turns that you didn't see coming. Writers in the Bible say things like, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Whenever I read that in Psalm 23, I'm like, if my Lord is my shepherd, why are we walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Can't we go around the valley? Can't we like just fly over the valley and figure out a way to not have to face the valley? But here's the thing that's so great about our good shepherd. You can trust his heart as he leads you through the darkest valley because there's no way if he is who he says he is that he would take you through something that's not worth it on the other side. You can trust him. You can't predict him. You can't control him, but you can trust him. And there's freedom that comes from turning over that trust and going, okay, this is going to look a lot less like me maneuvering and manipulating every detail of my life but I can actually sleep at night and I can actually roll back my shoulder spiritually and take a deep breath because this is not up to me. Think about what's weighing down on you today, church. What's weighing down? Is it the state of the world? Is it the state of your finances? Is it the state of your own relationship with God? Is it your disobedience to God? What is it? Is it your kid's relationship with God? That is not yours to carry. And freedom is not coming the day you get it figured out or the day you get to the other side and have clarity. Freedom is coming the day you realize you don't need to have clarity to give up control. But I want to write this down. This is my whole message in one statement. You ready? True freedom means keeping your burden light by relinquishing control. Say it again. True freedom, gospel freedom, means keeping your burden light by relinquishing control. Anytime as Christians, we get ourselves spiritually in a position where it's clear that we're trying to carry more than we should be carrying, everyone around us knows. Ask my family, ask my wife, ask our staff team what it is like to be around me when I am not trusting God. They can tell. They'll tell you, he, he seems beaten down. He seems like it, it's just too much, seems overwhelmed. And it's not because I'm not organizing my life every single way I'm supposed to. It's because there's a part of me spiritually that has decided to put my hands on things that I was called to turn over. And true freedom is coming for you and it's coming for me the day we realize I gotta keep my burden light. I gotta stop taking life so seriously every day. I got to start smiling. I got to start noticing the moments in my day where God is calling me to open my eyes and have an encounter with him instead of just filling out my day with enough things to make it to the next day. You're a child of God. Jesus has done all the heavy lifting on your, on your behalf. And I know that we live in a broken world and I know death exists. I know disease exists. I know racism exists. I know there are dark things happening in our world right now, but you need to calm down, child of God. 
You need to stop freaking out. And I, I have a message from heaven for you today because I'm more afraid of what God says about me in this moment than I am afraid about someone's opinion about what I am saying. I feel called by God to tell you, stop freaking out. Jesus died for you. He rose again. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. You're going to heaven forever. Breathe, breathe, just breathe. Remember how I told y'all back at the AU hotel, I said, I'm going to write my first book one day. It's going to be called Everybody Calm Down. Now might be a day where I'm going to take this sermon and go write the prologue. It's a prologue of the preface. I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm talking about with books. Clearly I'm far away from getting started on that one. But I do feel like today is a message from heaven. Jesus carries the weight. We follow and we follow obediently. And we follow into uncertain ground and we follow boldly and we fight for what he fights for. But we don't go rogue and we don't take weights on our shoulders that we're not called to carry. And we don't expect other people outside of Jesus to be the heroes in the story because Jesus is ultimately the one who wins. And it's him who gets the glory. And that's, that's why he wants to carry it all. The whole story is not about your relaxation. It's about his glory. And if it's going to be about his glory, guess what that means? He has to be the one to do it. So you're actually robbing him of glory the more you try to carry what he's supposed to carry. You're robbing him of getting credit for what he wants to fight for. So would you please get out of the son of God's way and let him carry the load? I was uh, watching, I was listening to an interview with a famous pastor who's impacted my life profoundly. His name is Tim Keller. And many of you I know have been impacted by his writings and his teachings. Uh, I went to a predominantly Presbyterian seminary, and it was hilarious because anytime a discussion would break out in class about different opinions, the way to win an argument in our seminary was to quote Tim Keller. It was like, if you just, if you just say, well, Tim Keller said this, then everybody would go, oh, yeah, well, that must be right. So I learned a lot about Tim Keller through the course of seminary and, and his books, and definitely his sermons have impacted me a ton. If you've never heard of him, he's been a pastor in Manhattan for a long time, impacting uh, the next generation that's coming up and growing a church in the most unlikely place for decades, not just for a few years, but for a long time. And, and one of the things, this is unrelated to the story, but that was, it was amazing and, and a little bit like God telling me to pay attention was while I was listening to this interview last week, I looked on social media and I saw that he has actually been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And in light of that, I want to call you to pray for him. The hope is that they caught it early and we need to pray because he's one of the most amazing preachers and minds that the church has to offer today. But what struck me during the interview the most, it's like when I saw that on social media, I just started paying really close attention to what he was saying. It's like a switch flipped. And he said, he said, you know, since I moved to New York City to start this church, I've watched different waves of generations come in and out of the church. And what I try to pay attention to are the different burdens each wave is carrying. And I try to preach the gospel into that particular burden because the gospel is the ultimate reliever of all the burdens that we're carrying that we're not called to carry. And so here's what he did. He basically described how generationally there are three different burdens that people have carried over the course of the last few decades. And as he was sharing them, I was like, those are the burdens that need to be released at Auburn Community Church this Sunday. Somebody say, my burden is light. My burden is light. I want to show you three burdens that God has called you to take off of your shoulders and put back on Jesus and I can't wait to see the freedom that comes from this moment. Now I know there are more burdens than these three. 
There are more things that you're carrying. Some of you already know specifically what God is calling you to do. But I believe as we look at these three, we're going to see something very, very, very specific come from this time. Now, the first one, this is amazing. Tim Keller said, he said, there was a, a, a wave that happened in the, the late 70s, early 80s. So a lot of people who are over the age of 60 right now experience this. So if you're listening to this and you're over the age of 60, point number one is for you. But before I tell you what point number one is, let me just say this. Congratulations on your humility. Because if I was over 60, I don't know if I would be listening to a 31-year-old tell me about who God is. But your humility is astounding, and I'm going to try to preach right to you. He said, this was the burden that a lot of them were carrying their entire lives. And you might still be carrying it today, regardless of your age. The first burden I want to release you from is being good enough. Being good enough. It was a time where the highest meaning of life, the highest value you could find in your life was from being a good person. And if you went to church, you basically heard some sort of rendition of how to include Jesus in your effort to be a good person. And so what happened is you had a lot of Christians, and I wasn't alive for this, maybe a little bit. I was an 80s baby, just barely snuck in there. And, and, and what you had is you had a lot of Christians who were gauging their success in life by whether or not they were a good person. Let me tell you why that is the most impossible burden to put on your shoulders. Number one, it's never measurable. You're never going to know when everything good that you did or thought or said outweighed the bad. And so you meet a lot of Christians who don't understand the core of the gospel. They still, to this day, are carrying the burden of trying to outweigh the bad things that they do with the good things that they do. And it's no surprise, they are exhausted. And then, on the other side of that, you have the honest ones who realize real quick that that scale is never going to tip in their favor. The good's never going to outweigh the bad. And so, when your entire value system tells you, be a good person, be good enough... And all you notice about yourself is that you can't overcome the evil that exists on the inside of you. And all you notice about yourself is that you can't reverse some of the habits and some of the addictions and some of the conversations. You end up at the end of yourself. Now, this is what's so beautiful about the gospel. The gospel never, ever, ever calls you to be good enough. The gospel says the exact opposite. The gospel says it is because you are that bad that Jesus had to be this perfect and crucified in this way. You feel the weight being lifted? It's... Not like God is unaware of how bad you are and waiting for you to be good. It is because of how incredibly aware he is of your sinfulness that he sent Jesus in the first place. I want the weight to fall off your shoulders today. If you are buried under the weight of trying to be good enough, you need to let that fall on Jesus today. You were never called to be good enough for God. Jesus was more than good enough on your behalf. And when you place your trust in him, you can not only embrace what's true about you, you can watch Jesus transform you, not just from bad to good, more importantly, from dead to alive. Because Jesus did not come to simply make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive forever. It's deeper than actions. It's deeper than obedience. It's at a core level. Jesus came to reverse the curse of sin. And when you understand, wow, today, God loves me as much today as he will five billion years from now when I'm perfect, you can rest. How awesome is that? God loves you as much today as he will in heaven, 100 billion years from now, today. 
because he's never been looking at you. He replaced your effort with Jesus' perfection. So he's pleased. And you are that bad. You are that sinful. But you are that righteous and that perfect in Christ. Anyone listening to me right now who's believing that lie needs to hear the simple scripture. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus did not die for you when you got your life together. He died for you because he knew no matter what, your life was going to fall apart. No amount of effort is going to change that. Let the gospel invade this moment right now and let the weight be lifted off of your shoulders. That's the first burden. Somebody say, my burden is light. We got to leave behind trying to be good enough. Number two, and Tim Keller said, this is one that hit around the late 80s, early 90s. Number two, the second burden that people started walking into church and, and, and trying to figure out. The second burden is searching for freedom. Searching for freedom. So like I said earlier, true freedom is found when you relinquish control and you keep your burden light and let Jesus have the weight of your life. But what started to happen in the late 80s, early 90s is people started to leave behind the value of just be good enough, just be good enough, just be good enough. If you're between the ages of maybe 40 to 60, this is probably what you heard and what you experienced. The value started being placed on discovering yourself. So do everything that you can to get what you want. No limits, no more rules, no more restrictions. Go find who you are. Go and get what you're worth and search for the freedom that your soul seems like it's longing for. And so people started to rebel against rules. This is on the back end of, of uh, the sexual revolution. It's actually like right in the middle of it. And people started running to cities and running to, to expressing themselves in all kind of open ways under the guise of freedom. But what you'll find out when you truly search for freedom outside of the authority of God is that true freedom only exists under the authority of Jesus. The more you get what you think you want, the more in bondage you find yourself to be. As human beings, we never leave behind having a master. We just replace one with a worse one. So if you left behind Jesus to go chase a career or wealth, or relationship, or sexual habit, you did not find freedom on the other side of that. You found more bondage, and you found a master that's more demanding, that costs more than you're willing to pay, and ends up with worse consequences than you ever would have signed up for on the front end, not to mention turning your back on your identity and who God's called you to be. So when Jesus invites you in Matthew 11, you know what's beautiful about that is it feels so restful and it feels so kind. Jesus is actually inviting you to make him your master. He's going, take my yoke upon you. Be my disciple. Learn from me. In other words, I'm in charge now. Do what I do. And so you hear that and you go, that doesn't sound like freedom. That sounds like slavery. Well, listen. When your whole life is spent in pursuit of following Jesus and you lay down your life in order to find it, you lay down something that you weren't going to gain in the first place in order to find the only freedom that ever exists, which is the freedom to be who God has called you to be. The life Jesus died for you to live is on the other side of you discovering God doesn't want to limit you. God wants to liberate you. God wants you to live the one life that is truly life. And you watch that weight lifted off your shoulders when you stop searching for freedom in another master and you find it in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the only master who satisfies you when you get him and forgives you when you fail him. 
Jesus is the only master who you can say that about. Total satisfaction when you get close to him and total forgiveness when you fall short. There is no other option for your life that you can say that about. And that's why every week at our church, we say Jesus wins. We try to bring people to a face-to-face encounter with Jesus and go, look at what he has to offer for your life. Now look at every other option you have to choose. There's true freedom here. There's true fulfillment here. There's true purpose here. There's true meaning here. And oh yeah, there's an eternity in heaven forever as a child of God. He outweighs every other option and true rest will not come your way. True freedom will not come your way until you do it on his terms. And that's why we relinquish control. And by the way, the control that we relinquish is an illusion of control because we're not God. We just put it back in the hands of the one who was holding it all along. And so if you're here today and you're holding the burden of being good enough, I hope you feel that one just rolling off your shoulders spiritually. If you feel the burden of, I just, I just want to be free and I feel like there's something out there that can deliver, here's what you need to know today. The freedom that you're looking for founds, finds itself under making yourself a disciple of Jesus and submitting and surrendering. You will not find freedom going rogue. You will not find freedom like the prodigal son found out running away from the father's house. The final burden that uh, Pastor Keller listed is one that hits close to home for me because as soon as he said it, the whole interview is kind of leading up to, okay, what's the burden of today? What are people today carrying? And you might be carrying one or two. Many of you have for your entire life, and I hope you're freed from that. But when he said his suspicion about the one today, I was like, of course, of course, because this is exactly what we preach toward all the time. Somebody say, my burden is light. Here it is. The third burden that needs to fall today. Finding your identity. Finding your identity. Things have shifted from the pursuit of freedom to now the pursuit of finding your true self. Our culture says things like, you know your truth, speak your truth, be you, find who you are. And what nobody tells you when you hear those words that sound like an invitation into life, what nobody tells you is that that creates an impossible and incredible amount of pressure that you will become buried underneath the weight of. It's why we have the anxiety epidemic that we have. It's why depression exists the way that it does. Yes, our, our phones and the media have a big part to play in this, but most of all, It's an identity issue. And people are feeling like they have to earn and achieve who they become. And it creates a pressure that no one can stand under. Here's what's great about following Jesus. It's the only identity there is that's received, not achieved. Jesus says you can rest because you already are who you're trying to become. You already are a child of God. So would you come take your seat at the table and just believe that I've accomplished that on your behalf because it's done. When we were singing earlier, Matt mentioned those words about being invited to the table. I started thinking about my family. I started thinking about my girls, Aniston and Elliot and I got here today, prayed up, hoping God was going to do something special. And every single time 
God reorients my mind from thinking about how him and I are doing based on how I've done lately to thinking about how him and I are doing based on how I feel about my daughters. It overwhelms me. And it's why I can barely get the words out right now, but I'm gonna try. I was thinking about how my favorite seat that my girls love to take at our table is when they don't take their seat. Now their seat is their seat. Like they get a seat at my table simply because they're my children. And by the way, they did nothing to earn that seat. They got that seat by being born. Did you know you were born of God? Did you know the seat that you have at the table has nothing to do with your effort to be good enough, but has totally everything to do with the fact that Jesus has invited you into a new birth. It's amazing. Their seat is their seat. It's open. But my favorite seat that they take is when they ask not to sit in a high chair or not to sit on a booster. It's when they ask to be on my lap. I go, can I have that seat? And the answer is always yes. Do you know that because of Jesus, the access that you have to God is not just as a member of his table, it's the kind of access where while he's running the universe, he says, hey child, come and rest and just recline on me like John did on Jesus. Once you stop letting yourself get buried underneath the pressure of earning an identity that you'll never live up to and that won't deliver even if you could, once you feel the weight of the identity that God gives, child of God, no longer a slave to fear, mine, daughter, washed, clean, pure, blameless, righteous, all because of Jesus. A burden is light. Need a burden check today, ACC. If you're heavy spiritually, it's time to put Jesus back where he belongs. Would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your head and close your eyes right where you are right now? I wanna pray for you. And my hope and my prayer is that maybe one of those three things, maybe all three of them are the burden you've been carrying. But even if yours is not on the list, this is a moment for you to get before the God of the universe and go, I've been carrying something that I was not called to carry. Here you go, Jesus. You can have it back. Only you know what it is. But right now in this moment, I wanna give you that moment to tell God, I want freedom. Take the burden off my shoulders. Breathe, church. Breathe. It is not up to you. Heavenly Father, I feel you in this moment releasing so many people because I feel you releasing me. God, we were never called to try to carry the weight of the world and definitely not called to try to carry the weight of our own spiritual journey. So Jesus, would you come just unclench our fists? Would you come tell us once again what you have done on our behalf? And would we rest and trust that it's done? Would we rest and trust and know that heaven is for all of eternity, that we're sealed before you? And God, I pray for men and women, guys and girls who have never heard the gospel proclaimed like this. Maybe they've never heard that it's about simply trusting and believing that Jesus has done it all. I pray that they would say, even out loud right now, I trust you, Jesus. You did for me what I can't do for myself. That makes you saved. That's what it means to be a Christian. So God, we surrender. I thank you 
for splitting the sea so that we can walk on dry ground. But God, on the other side of walking on dry ground, don't let us look back and pine after slavery. Let us move forward and trust, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how uncertain it is. We love you. We rest in you. We sing to you now. In Jesus' name.